Hello, welcome to The Quest. My name is Alan Mulhern. We are now in the final parts of our exploration of the ecological and climate crises. For those who doubt the existential threat to Homo sapiens from climate change, remember that the disappearance of many hominid species coincided with extreme climate fluctuations. Consider also that unlike our hunter-gatherer ancestors, who could and did move around the globe in response to climate change, there are now billions of us trapped in countries and cities. Reflect also that the climate crisis does not and will not operate alone, but coexists with other crises of our time. They will catalyse each other and their impact will be in their combination and great synergetic force. Imagine climate, nuclear, pandemic and food crises, to name only some, interacting with one another. They are deservedly called the horsemen of the apocalypse. Such a scenario is of immense evolutionary significance on a planet that has evolved life and intelligence over almost four billion years. I suggest also that it must have metaphysical significance. A decimation or an extinction of the human species would ultimately constitute a failure of intelligent life to overcome its own contradictions. That is something over and beyond the success or otherwise of inventing a new energy source to replace fossil fuels. It is something on a scale concerning the integrity of intelligent life itself, of whether life in the cosmic sense is worth living, of whether the purpose of existence is the development of higher consciousness, or whether such an idea is a vast narcissistic illusion. The climate crisis is a manifestation of an attack upon nature. Insofar as we do this with knowledge of its consequences, then this will constitute a malevolent attack. Homo sapiens believes, in general, that nature is a resource to be exploited. It may be thought that there was a time before civilizations developed when mankind was immersed in the Garden of Eden, worshipped the Great Mother and experienced nature as a sacred and benevolent power. But it is a striking recent discovery that as humans spread around the globe after leaving Africa around 70,000 years ago, within a short time of their arrival at different parts of the Earth, most of the megafauna disappeared, evidently hunted to extinction by the invading humans. Megafauna are large animals, say weighing over a ton, that is a thousand kilos. 45,000 years ago, Homo sapiens settled Australia. The extinction of Australian megafauna occurred by 30,000 years ago. By 16,000 years ago, Homo sapiens settled America, with similar results for the megafauna of that continent. Previous episodes have pointed to the immediate source of the climate crises as business civilization itself. 
that is, an economic system based on profit, embracing countries across the globe. No longer do we have a developed world restricted to a handful of economically advanced countries who are responsible for the destruction of nature. Sure, they led the way, but since the 1990s, many so-called developing countries have grown at far higher rates than the former group and have changed the balance of power. For example, the IMF reported as recently as 2023 that emerging economies grew on average in that year by 4%, quite a high rate of growth, while the advanced economies grew at 1.5%. Now that's quite a difference. And over 20-30 years, the less developed countries would have caught up and some of them would have overtaken more advanced countries. China and India are also number one and three in the rank of global carbon dioxide polluters. Indonesia, Nigeria, Bangladesh and Brazil are not far behind. They have all embraced business civilization in one form or another. And, of course, this has sharpened our existential dilemma. Atmospheric CO2 levels have rocketed since the 1970s, coinciding with a period of unprecedented global growth, including that of many emerging economies, such as those in East Asia. It also coincides with our knowledge of the damage of greenhouse gases caused by the consequent emissions of industrial activity. The pace of industrialization, urbanization and technological development has exploded. Extraordinary material benefits have resulted, but the destructive impact on nature has been enormous. Greenhouse gases are but one manifestation of this, but we have focused on these since global warming is an existential threat to humanity, especially when combined with other mega-threats. So, we have enjoyed on the one hand the wonders of science, but on the other we have unleashed an extraordinary destructive force which threatens nature, the very foundation of our life. As our species gained in technological power, the exploitation of nature became more extensive and under business civilization, this has become a worldwide critical phenomenon. Such is the enormous power of our science and technology that few parts of the globe are exempt. If there are resources to be exploited and profit to be made, humans will be there, whether in the deep seas or now even in near-Earth space, into which thousands of satellites have been launched, which may well lead to a space war. For the competitive and divided nature of the human race, one nation against another, is being projected outside of the Earth into the heavens. It is tempting for depth psychologists to extend their analysis of individuals to society at large, to assume that their experience and discoveries concerning the nature of individual emotional and mental disturbance can be directly applied to the collective as a whole. There is a certain mileage in such insights, admittedly, but such descriptors need to be applied cautiously. Thus, to characterise business civilization as psychopathic, for example, is an interesting proposition. 
Psychopathy implies the compulsion to deceive, manipulate, exploit, threaten, steal or physically harm others. At the same time, psychopaths may appear outwardly friendly and well-adjusted, but they have an absence of conscience or empathy. Well, business civilization can be accused of all these things, and such a label does describe its worst features. But it does not describe its best. As already mentioned, it is also responsible for raising the standards of living of billions and brought the immense benefits of medicine, longevity and technology, to mention only a few. Or to compare business civilization to an addict. Well, this is an insightful proposition. For example, that business civilization is addicted to fossil fuels, since it can't seem to kick the habit, even though their continued use threatens its destruction. However, a drug or sex addict is hooked on something that has no productive value, whereas fossil fuel consumption, in addition to its negative impacts, is also phenomenally useful and underpins our economic prosperity. In fact, the whole world economy. Or, to characterise business civilization as manic-depressive is a powerful metaphor that captures its cycles of expansion and contraction, the inflations and depressions of the economic system. The business or trade cycle has been known for centuries. These are short-term, say four to five years, periods of expansion of commerce and industry, which are followed by contraction. However, the longer-term Kondratiev cycles, named after the Russian economists who proposed them, are the most powerful, and these have dominated capitalist civilization since its inception. These Kondratiev cycles are long-term technological waves. For example, the Industrial Revolution, say from 1770s onwards, steam and railways, from 1830s onwards, steel and heavy engineering from approximately 1875 going forward, oil, electricity, the automobile and mass production, say from 1908, information and telecommunications and internet from 1970s, artificial intelligence and synthetic biology from 2010, the upswing of these cycles involve a frantic search for the huge profits associated with the technological expansion. To call such periods manic is no underestimation, for they involve a great liberation of animal spirits. Speculative investment, some of it completely wild and irrational, is the order of the day and the dreams of the night. Prices cease being a guide to value and reflect the illusory and crazy injections of money or unwarranted optimism into projects of all descriptions that are supposedly part of the boom. The get-rich-quick complex, extreme greed in other words, becomes widespread. 
vast credit expansion takes place. Debts explode. Exaggerated leverage positions place many investors in great danger. There is no end to illusion. Sober heads of household bet everything on hearsay projects with no substance. Even those who know the boom is crazy and irrational think they are cleverer than the tricksters and cannot resist joining in. Colossal fortunes are made, further fueling envy and greed. Crooked schemes of embezzlement, theft and fraud proliferate. FOMO, fear of missing out, grips the investment community far and wide. Until at last, the manic boom, like Icarus flying too close to the sun, falls and crashes. The Depression, aptly named, is a prolonged contraction of economic activity, that is negative growth rates, typically characterised by higher unemployment, lower wages, increased bankruptcies, fewer opportunities for investment and reduced trade, as well as dampened animal spirits. Yet, if the economy is left to rebalance itself, there will be a clearing out of the older, inefficient and debt-laden firms, allowing newer firms to fill their place, which adopt the newer technologies belonging to the next cycle of technological growth. Thus we have Schumpeter's famous pattern of creative destruction in the economy. There is then some similarity between manic depression, now called bipolar disorder, as an individual psychological condition and the boom and bust cycles of the economy. Even to the very terminology that's used in economics, inflation and depression, for example. One expects, therefore, that in the boom, narcissistic character disorders will multiply in the economy, particularly in the financial sector and society at large, while in the contraction, depressive and anxiety disorders will be more frequent. If there is a financial collapse, then one can expect a severe shock to the economic system. Anxiety conditions surface, panic breaks out, companies fail and unemployment rises. The social fallout, such as divorces and suicides, can be horrendous. Or next, to compare business civilization to a schizoid condition has a certain insight. The individual with schizoid personality disorder has little or no interest in relationships and there is a lack of a full range of emotions. Capitalism and business civilization break up the family, destroy traditional communities and lead relentlessly to the machine age and eventually to an economy and society dominated by artificial intelligence which is even further removed from traditional and natural relationships. It can lead to hyper-specialised and excessively rationalised human beings who are profoundly separated from their own feeling functions. Interesting and relevant as these psychological features are, they do not provide the deepest explanations 
for the dynamics of business civilization. The line of causation does not really run from individual psychology to the economy, but in the reverse direction. It is the dynamics of the economy, for example, its booms and busts, its long-term cycles, its movement into a technological age, such as that of the machine or artificial intelligence, and so on, that explain the psychological condition of millions of individuals who are shaped by the economic and technological system. With regard to the link between depth psychology and climate change, the well-known defence mechanism of denial is often mentioned, in this case climate denial, or avoidance, or ignoring, or repression, or simple minimisation of its damage. The literature on this subject often points to the tendency to avoid the anxiety of admitting the deadly seriousness of climate change. However, this is not the main cause of climate denial, in my opinion, although it has relevance. As already mentioned, there are huge economic interests in the fossil fuel lobby, who for decades have denied the physics of greenhouse gases and their impact on global warming. While scientific denial is no longer possible because the science is so overwhelming, nevertheless, denial is extensive. There is a huge responsibility to be laid at the feet of this extensive and powerful fossil fuel lobby because they have delayed and continue to delay action to reduce CO2 emissions by many decades with extremely serious consequences for life on this planet. Moreover, as we now know, with each passing year of increasing carbon dioxide emissions, the cost of their reduction and the impact of their damage increases enormously. The immediate cause of our defences against accepting the disastrous consequences of climate change is our deep economic entanglement with and dependency upon fossil fuels. Beyond that, there is wild optimism with our head in the sand that believes that there must be technological solutions to climate change, that essentially we can continue with our economic growth and find new energy resources that will solve our problems. Of course, Ultimately, this is the only solution. The human race as a whole must change its energy source if it is not to destroy the climate on which we depend. But this energy source must be significantly cheaper than fossil fuels to persuade us to change our habits. We are not going to change them for moral reasons. Amazingly, we are scarcely prepared to change our energy sources even when we know they are destroying us. It is now often mentioned that renewable energies are cheaper than fossil fuels. Even so, the pace of change is too slow to avoid a seriously degraded climate. And, admittedly, when we consider the scale of the change that is needed in our technologies, infrastructure, consumption 
and investment habits. This is a multi-decade process, even if we were prepared to make the changes. The world community is dangerously divided into nation-states and competing blocs. Almost all nations that are major producers of oil, gas and coal simply deny or ignore the science of climate change. It is very frequent to blame others for the problem. Oh, the fault lies with the consumers who cannot reduce their demand for fossil fuels. It does not really lie with those who supply it. Or the fault is with the Western countries who are historically responsible for the Industrial Revolution. Within some of these industrial countries, opinion is bitterly divided on the science of climate change. America, for example, is at peak production of oil and gas in 2023-24, even at the same time as it preaches the necessity for a change in our energy sources to renewables. So, while the science is undeniable to anyone who can read, the political powers of many nation-states override knowledge and follow economic interests, regardless of the consequent destruction. Closely linked to this is the deep competitive state of the world economic system. Quite simply, no country or block of countries trust other countries to keep their promises with respect to the reduction of CO2 emissions. How can they? The Paris Accord of 2015, the supposed international milestone agreement in emission reductions, has not been honoured. Even after the latest COP28 fiasco at the end of 2023, there is no schedule proposed, never mind agreed upon, to reduce emissions to those required to hold the average world temperature to below the 1.5 or even the 2 degree threshold. All we have is aspirational statements and a pretense that something has been agreed Moreover, the competitive conflict between nation-states leads to fatal results with respect to economic and technological development. Major powers vie and compete with one another to be hegemon and top of the economic pile. They need each other for trade, but one fears the other. If America were to forgo its oil and gas, or China give up its coal, there would be a great negative impact upon their economic growth and position. Moreover, they compete for military supremacy, dominance in artificial intelligence, control of oceans and space, and the tremendous advantages of being, for example, the world reserve currency. Maintaining the pace of economic growth is vital to achieving these goals, and many more. And fossil fuels have been and still are central to that economic effort. There is another factor that can cause profound and rapid change in humans, and that is fear. It is only when we actually experience the awesome power of climate change in the decades to come that there will be a clamour rather than just a call for change. But then it is too late, because not only does it take decades to change, but the accumulated carbon dioxide in the world's oceans will continue to be released for hundreds of years. 
For these reasons, and many more, I hold to my central view that we must prepare for survival on the degraded planet. The vital piece of good news is that the required technological change is possible. But can we do it quickly or thoroughly enough to avoid the worst? Homo sapiens entered the epoch of the Anthropocene in the 20th century, where the major impact on the planet is ourselves. Currently, in the third decade of the 21st century, we are entering the age of artificial intelligence. Named by James Lovelock, the ecological prophet, as the Novocene, an age of hyperintelligence. Profound changes are beginning to take place in human nature and also in every aspect of our lives, technologies and economies. As to be expected, there is a radical split between two camps. The utopians, who believe in unlimited gain, scarcely imaginable new possibilities, beyond the extension of life and perhaps even eternal life, which is mankind's greatest dream. This is a form of transhumanism, where humanity will have transitioned to an altered post-human stage and become fused with artificial intelligence. On the other hand, there are the dystopians, who envisage a world authoritarian state which will impose order on unruly and rivalrous nation-states who believed each had inviolable rights to destroy the planet through pollution or inflict warfare, even nuclear weapons, on others, who arrogantly believe their national boundaries to have been unchangeable. A world state that, by means of artificial intelligence, will control, even enslave a humanity, which cannot be trusted with the technologies commonly available. Such a dystopia will be seen as absolutely necessary to guarantee our survival and AI will be used to impose it. This episode has looked at some psychiatric and psychoanalytic concepts such as psychopathy, manic depression, addictive disorders for the insight they provide on the dynamics of the climate crisis and business civilization. They do have insight but there is a more obvious psychological category that explains much of the problem, and that is our general value and belief systems that have been shaped across centuries. Within these are embodied our attitude to nature and our belief as to what our nature is. Here lie the epistemological and philosophical roots of business civilization itself, with all its advantages and all its woes, including the ecological crisis of our time. The modern world began in Europe with the break from the Middle Ages, from which there have been a series of paradigm shifts that have changed the way we view ourselves and the world around us. And this naturally includes nature. This has resulted in a transformation in the psyche itself, from the way it views the cosmos right down to its beliefs about itself, about human nature. This has been occurring since, let's say, the 15th century, and has been marked by seismic shifts in religion, 
philosophy and science. These are revolutions not only concerning knowledge about the external world, but knowledge or beliefs about our very essence. On the one hand, we experience ourselves as having a power like unto a god. This is quite evident from the Renaissance, right up to the birth of artificial intelligence in our times. On the other hand, we are possessed by demonic destructiveness that is capable of not only extinguishing ourselves, but all of life, and leaving in our wake a destroyed planet. In the following episodes, I will examine this extraordinary combination of opposites that characterise the human psyche and is at the root of the crises of our age.